This is the Relevant Podcast. It's the week of May 1st, 2020, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang. And before I introduce the crew, I want to tell you that today's show is brought to you by Adventist Development and Relief Agency. Without education, nothing changes. But when a child completes his or her education, a whole new world of opportunity opens up. Not only that, when you educate a child, you also change the life of a family, a community, and future generations. That's why the Adventist Development and Relief Agency launched their Every Child Everywhere in School campaign. There's no better time than now for you to get involved. You can visit adra.org slash sign up to see how you can help. ADRA, serving humanity so all may live as God intended. Awesome organization. Okay, like I said, I'm your host, Cameron. And joining me today from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Austin and Texas, author, podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. From Nashville, Tennessee, producer and artist, Derek Miner. What up, though? And joining us again, back behind the ones and twos, on the boards, Chandler Strang. Hello. Chandler, you missed. That was an enthusiast. You sound very jazzed to be here, as per (laughs) usual. As per usual. And you missed quite the show yesterday, or it it feels like yesterday. I'm in quarantine time. Everything's just one. We've been living one long day for like seven weeks now. But either way, uh, (laughs) you just roll out of bed. I've been wearing the same variation of sweatpants. Uh, But Chandler, you missed a spicy moment on last week's podcast. Let's just say the the new crew was coming in hot, and the the bleep button was already in full effect as of last week. It was, uh, it was quite. <laughs> I weighed the odds, and I said, "Hey, listen, I'm going to come in hot. I want I want to be a team player." It's way funnier with the bleep, and so I went yeah. with it. And I played it for my kids, and they their eyes were like, "What did you say?" <laughs> so I had to tell the children um, as well. That's They've great. heard that story before, you guys, so no big deal. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm here. I'm a team player. The bleep was so much funnier. No, my my son, who was ten, was in my room as I was listening to the show. <laughs> great. So he heard the uncensored version. And that's actually why I was like, oh no, this episode, I don't think it's safe for the little ears. I think we should just bleep it and make it way funnier. So anyway, so thanks for going there. Good call. What was it that you actually said though? That's what I want. Oh no, we we got to leave that up to the imagination. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Chandler, you don't want to know. You're just going to have to trust me on that. Let me just well, say, Cameron said it was safer to put the bleep in than leave it for young ears. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. I mean, you didn't. I, we just want to clarify. Stamp, you didn't use you know? foul language. No, I did not we use foul right. language. That, but you did say something that I wouldn't want other ten year olds to have to, or you know, go through. Yeah, yeah, like southern, it was Southern Baptist file is what it was. Thank it was you, Derek. That's exactly yeah, it was, what it was. It was I'm a good southern church Baptist woman. File. Yes. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. My husband is a pastor, you guys. I keep it clean. I had to talk to my son. I had to, we had to talk about what he was exposed to. I mean, it was, a, you had to talk. <laughs> you did not. Had to talk? We had to like, have I, a didn't, very I didn't expect this to happen right now, but take a seat, son. And <laughs> you should we thank got out me Jamie's, then. We got out Jamie's book and we started going through her book and she, she talked. All right. Well, Hey, we have a great show coming up for you today. Now we saw the feedback from last week's show and in general, 
I mean, I'd say 95% of everybody was like, oh, I love the new cast. This is going to be a lot of fun. And 5% of y'all were, where's Chandler and where's Tyler? <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm just saying, you guys got to get kind of some slack because we have plans. Chandler's back. Here he is, you know, so all <laughs> y'all can calm down. And we have a plan to introduce a new segment with our very own Tyler Huckabee on every episode. So Tyler will be joining the show every show, but he's going to be coming in doing something new. So that's coming up. That debuts on this this episode today. So stay tuned for that. Also, uh, joining us later, Stephen Furtick and uh, Chris Brown from Elevation Worship join us. Uh, Elevation Worship just released a new album, and you won't want to miss that conversation. Bro, uh, I when thought I saw she was it, talking about Chris Breezy, dog. I thought it was right. going to be, you know what I'm saying? I was like, that's go, this is going to be the craziest show of all time, bro. <laughs> Dude, I, I got to be honest with you, I had the same thought when I saw the rundown. <laughs> I was like, I actually had to text Tyler. Stephen Furtick brought Chris Brown on? Well, that's crazy. He's like, well, I mean, no. Stephen Furtick does seem to have like an interesting friend group. Like, I, you know, I've seen him. He did. He did like a long video with like Charlemagne the God and uh, oh. Jerry Lorenzo. So it wouldn't be outside the realm of possibility that he would somehow yeah. know the other Chris Brown. But the but funniest it, thing in the world is if it was the actual Chris Brown, how many Christian rappers would be like, I got to get a Chris Brown feature. I'm like, <laughs> every, every, that, he's going to be on the He's gonna be on the front of TBN. He would be like, he would, he would literally like. Anytime someone has like been in the mainstream says Jesus one time, they're like, yo. Put this guy on the biggest stage now. Get this man a shield. Let's just assume he's basically a pastor now. Let's get him. Exactly. Let's get him his own stadium tour with Joel Osteen. It's only makes sense if you're the elevation, Chris Brown, and I, I, I'm sure Tyler probably did the interview. I wonder if that if he's ever if he's ever had like the Michael B. Jordan thing, you know, yeah. like if you have the name of someone who's like super famous, you know what I'm saying? I'm a musician. You either go Christopher Brown or you go like Chris, you know, I don't know what Peter, Chris P. Brown or whatever, because if like Michael B. Jordan, he couldn't be Michael Jordan. OK, you throw the B in there and I know who no. we're talking about. He could have been Mike Jordan, yeah. but he went with Michael B. I just wonder if Chris Brown has ever struggled with the same things. That's all. Well, maybe Chris Brown from Elevation Worship is like, I've been Chris Brown longer than, you know, he's like, I own this name. <laughs> well, it's like it's like Michael Bolton from Office Space. He's like, why should I change? Why should I be Mike Bolton? I'm not the one who sucks. <laughs> that was his logic in that movie. <laughs> Sorry, Michael Bolton. The ju- but again, I didn't say it. It's in a very famous cult movie. I'm just saying the other people have run into this dilemma. But now I, Chris Brown is, time, yeah. Yeah, is obviously just choosing not to deal with it. And that's you know what? That's that's uh, that's that's his prerogative. All right. So for everybody who's been waiting with bated breath, what is the Tyler Huckabee segment going to be? Here's the deal. Tyler is the host of Relevant Daily, everyday uh, podcast covering the intersection of faith and culture. He's also uh, you know, creating a ton of the content at relevantmagazine.com. He, like nobody else, has his finger on what's happening, the buzz news. And we thought, why not every show bring Tyler on to bring us the latest what's happening in the world that Relevant covers. A couple of items of interest. He'll bring it and uh, play, maybe play some clips. We'll talk about it. And then we'll be off and running. So with the newly imagined Hot List segment, here we go. 
Oh, that was right not the one. intro. <laughs> that was not the right one. Chandler. I had them labeled by numbers, so. That was not the right one, but I love it. Leave it. Yeah. All right. So maybe every week, uh, it's right. a new hot list. It's not the old hot list, so maybe we need a new jingle for yeah. it. So there you go. Um, <laughs> feeling hot, hot. Right. Welcome to the show, Tyler. No, it is good to be here, and it feels very crowded. Compared to to some recent recording adventures that I have, I I am stressed out with how many voices are on this podcast. Welcome, Tyler. Yeah, thank you. It's good to be here. You've said that I that nobody has their finger more on the pulse of the intersection of faith and culture. That's definitely true. You said (laughs) these are going to be the stories that you need to know. Need is sort of subjective, but Uh, but yeah, I think you need to know. I I needed to know these, and I'm glad I do. So I'm going to see. We'll see if how everybody feels. At the end of the, me bringing, I got two stories. I think these are both. I'd like to get everybody's thoughts on these, and I think there's going to be sort of a range of opinions here. Right. The first one, okay. So I would think that probably everybody here has at least heard of Sufjan Stevens. Is that fair? Of course. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, no, I, I haven't. I'm sorry. Okay, so let me give you a brief. Let me give you a uh, a deep dive, Jane. I'm going to give you a, a like a brief window into who this is. So, like back around 2005, Sufjan started releasing music, and he released these two albums, Michigan and Illinois, and they were both like tributes to the states. Right, they were very long, very strange, very ornate, uh, whimsical in sort of that early two thousands indie way, and he and they were both very beautiful and, and and some of my favorite. Honestly, I really loved Sufjan. I was living in Chicago when Illinois came out, and I was a young, weird white kid, and that was his whole lane. So I was like right in the middle of who Sufjan's target audience was, and he said apparently kind of as a joke, but people took it seriously that he was going to release an album for every single state, all 50 states in the US. So he had Michigan, he had Illinois, and people were waiting with bated breath for like, what's the next state? That's what Sufjan's next big state project going to be. And um, with, they're still waiting. The count remains at 48. Uh, he has not released any other... He has not released any more state albums. So he's released other albums, but they haven't been about states. All right. So it, at this point, we're just kind of given up because that was about 15 years ago. But now, LA-based writer and comedian Joey Clift is putting his quarantine time to good use by crowdsourcing efforts from local musicians all over the United States to finish what Sufjan started and get a concept album together for every single state. Last Friday, he released the first 26 albums for the project for free on SoundCloud. So he's really doing... He's really good. That's 26 albums that he has overseen. He's not a musician, uh, but he has overseen the the, project Project this far and says he plans to release the rest of them, the other 24 plus a, which includes a double album for Rhode Island. The smallest state gets the biggest album. <laughs> Compensating. <laughs> and EPs, he get, there's an EP for Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico. So he's going, oh, he's going even further. <laughs> Then Sufjan okay, promised he's like, like, like really big, really ambitious. I have some this questions. Number one, are they good? I mean, like, okay. is it is it Sufjan right. level? 
I understand. Well, okay. So that's a fair question. I uh, I gave, I, I passed over just a few, and we're not going to do a listen party of all okay. 26 albums right now, but I passed over a few. Let's, uh, let's play that. The first song that I'm bringing, uh, we'll just play a clip of it. This is from the Wisconsin album. Uh, and this is called, it's a very Sufjan-esque title. It's called Three Cheers for St. Nicholas, the man who puts candy in our shoes. <laughs> Oh my goodness. For Saint Nicholas, the man who puts candy in our shoes. Three cheers for Saint Nicholas, the man who puts candy in our shoes. So it's in the Sufjan vibe. Like it they're trying to it like. It doesn't not sound like like what maybe a low level Sufjan, like Sufjan to teen years. I feel like this is right. something people would listen to before they go to bed to try to let them go to <laughs> sleep, but they end up having the weirdest dream ever. Like, <laughs> that's the fun. I'm getting strong, weird, night terror vibes from this. You know? Like but, these are so, just so, random so, artists. This is just, just random are, people. Yeah, so he put out the call. My man put out the call here and people submitted and he's in charge of, of approving then the song, like what goes in and uh, the songs that aren't quite good enough to make the cut. But they've all got all of these albums have at least like seven, I think, songs. And a lot of them have as many as 15. Oh, wow. So but like the way that these artists are trying to do it is they're trying to do it and they're kind of version of what Sufjan would have done. They're not trying to do like regional specific style or something like that. True. They're not trying to do like banjo for the South or, you know, they're, they're no. trying to do like Sufjan. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. And it's not like, it's not all of them, but most of them do have sort of, a, which makes sense, right? If you've heard of Sufjan, you're going to try to like get as close to what the original idea was. Yeah. Um, I do. I want to, the, the <laughs> other one I wanted to play, let's listen to another one. This one is from Kentucky. Uh, which is uh, which is me and Derek's neighbor over here, and mm. we get a little Nashville shout out. This is this song is called Elizabeth Town. Veered off somewhere in Kentucky, searching for a movie scene where we found Elizabeth Town covered in clouds. There's a coffee house. Okay, everybody listening, please wake back up. Wake back it's up. Pretty <laughs> sleepy. It's pretty sleepy. It's pretty. It's pretty. But I feel like it's the, like the least ambitious type of Sufjan, like attempt to do a Sufjan song, which is to do his slow folky stuff instead of his like. Some of the songs got really weird with like fifteen yeah. different instruments and choirs and glockenspiels and all of that. The uh, um, the the last one, and this will give you this will like round out the the sound that they're kind of going for what the sound of most of these is are so far so far is this one from jersey uh this is called the great rancocas flood of 2004 i don't know if anybody here is familiar wow. with that with that flood but the great rancocas flood of 2004 uh, let's roll that one the bridges are broken the dams couldn't hold there was a man on a roof on new freedom road they left the canoe up from when the rain came down water Six, seven, three, oh, As, has he, Thomas, 
sit on like these. Narcolepsy. <laughs> 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 if y'all cut this, I'm about to go to sleep. Right? Hey, that's no. the thing. Why do, cut this one? It, oh. it sounds like there's a lot of like creepy children singing that. I, I like for It sounds like if I'm standing, like if my nightmare is I'm I'm standing in the middle of a cornfield at night and I hear these voices singing and these kids just come out of the corn in like colonial outfits singing that song. What, <laughs> what is happening here? <laughs> Has he commented? Has he commented on all the albums? He hasn't commented on all the albums. He actually, uh, he did a little. Uh, he he sent. We covered this on the site, and he sent an email. Um, it sounds to me like he's actually not. I would have thought that this would have come from like a Sufjan super fan who just been waiting for the opportunity to yeah. like chomping at the bit. You know, doesn't like Sufjan. Not a fan of him. He just liked the idea of finishing the project, kind of like as a, like a middle finger to Sufjan. Like it took you 15 <laughs> years, you couldn't do it. And I'm going to do it in one quarantine. I'm going to do it in one pandemic breather like I, I'll, I'll prove to you that this is not as as hard as you as you think yeah, it is but that's like saying to like good. Yeah. michelangelo exactly like you know a, a genius yeah. works at his own pace anybody can put out junk for quick you know i mean and that's yeah. what I, yeah if I, and if he was going to crowdsource it well yeah that'd be one thing but you're he's he's just one person trying to yeah. do all that i think there's a there, there's a link to all of the albums and apparently there are more coming in just a couple of weeks he said that it'll all be out by the end of may so if you want to go check out your state's album you can we have we have linked to the soundcloud page over at our site and uh I, and i would be i do think that one thing that he did that I, I like the idea of I like the idea of the double Allen album for Rhode Island and the EPs yeah. for DC and Puerto Rico <laughs> yeah. I think that's yeah, a good that's I think good. that's a smart move it's a way to one up it um, hey I'm, I'm not gonna lie I'm gonna go listen to Texas when we're done so I would not mess with the Sufjan Stevens family I listen I'm someone who's gotten yelled at by a <laughs> tremendous amount of dads in my day like I feel like when someone yeah, becomes sure. a father they look at me and like I'll find something to yell at that guy about like I'm just I'm just <laughs> I, I am a magnet for the 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 rage of random dads I get yelled at them all the time and I did right. get you know uh, I did get yelled at by Lowell Sue Van Stevens stepfather one time for a little mix up yeah what? yeah for for of the Carrie and Lowell of the fame, Carrie and Lowell, right? Lowell, 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 he's Lowell really yeah. let me have it one time and I, it was water off a duck's back for me <laughs> because like I said I've been yelled at by a lot of dads in the day wait wait, wait. hold on hold on please clarify so you were interacting with him because of like yes. relevant it, like media or you were just like personally no this was this not man. me on a personal level okay. seeking out Sufian's dad to see if I could bait him into yelling at me uh, that was a, this that was, was representing that was a different time that was a different time <laughs> This was this was a simple mistake that anyone could have made, and, and it was probably uh-huh. it was probably in like 2008, maybe. And he wrote me like it, it was almost an all caps email, and I was just very impressed <laughs> at the level of vitriol. It was a little mix up. We cleared things up, and I never got my apology. So all all that to say is, don't mess with Sufjan Stevens or his stepdad because they will really let you have it. They they're not afraid. All right, Tyler, do you have? Do you have uh, another item for us? I, I do have one more. And this is actually, the, uh, this is a story that's about a study from Pew uh, came out last week. And uh, and I want to start by actually asking you, it's just one question. And I want to pose the question to you all to, to see how you would answer this. And I hope you'll forgive me because this does get a little, this, we're going into COVID territory. So it's a little morbid, but it's an interesting question. Uh, if you were a physician 
uh, worked in a hospital and you have a shortage of of uh, ventilators, which is obviously the case for many of our healthcare workers in America right now. Who? How do you decide which person, which patient, COVID patient gets the ventilator? Do you go with the person who is most who is has the most critical condition at the time, who is the sickest, regardless of the chance they have of recovering, or do you go, give it to the person who has the highest chance of recovery? Even if that means you have to make some discriminating decisions about like age or their overall health or smoking history, which where, where are you giving? How are you making that call? Who gets it? Oh man, I I I, I yeah, so I, I don't think I'd want to be the one who's making those determinations. Like I I don't know. Well, no, yeah. it's a no win. I mean, yeah. for, for me, like if you were leaning on the ladder where you're favoring the highest recovery possibility, then that means all the younger people would be getting them. And mm-hmm. then you're basically sending elderly people out to pasture. And that's not... I mean, that would be very uh, uh, difficult. I th- the, the idea of going uh, with the sickest people getting the most emergency, you know, it makes a little bit of sense. You know, that like mm-hmm. if you're not as sick you might have more time before you need the ventilator, you know? Right. right. Is there like an ethical code for doctors? So that, that's what the, the study gets into a little bit. So a, a couple of things. So first of all, Pew asked Americans about this. And it's interesting because the divide, the sharpest divide was along religious lines. Um, people with n- no religious affiliation were more likely to say the ventilator should go to the person with the highest chance of recovery. So if you're not a religious person, uh, you don't subscribe to any religion, then you're going to give it to maybe somebody who's younger, uh, has less of a smoking history, who, who the, overall the person who you think is, gonna, is going to sort of pull through. Um, religious people are more likely to be non-discriminatory. They say whoever needs it the most should get it regardless of the outcomes. Um, and, uh, and according to Pew, and I actually, I looked around and couldn't, I, I, I talked to some people in the medical profession and they didn't necessarily confirm this, but Pew has it, uh, that the general practice for hospitals is to take a utilitarian approach, which means you do give it, you go then the, uh, discriminatory route. You, you give it to people with the highest chance of recovery, do wow. the most good for the most number of people. Uh, because the goal is to to save as many people as possible, and overall, the more if you end up giving it to people with a higher chance of recovery, you are going to end up probably saving more lives, even if you have to use some discriminating approaches in how you do that. This subject is really touchy for me because African Americans have been affected by COVID, as far as the deaths more than anyone. So, what winds up happening? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm super conflicted because on one end, it's like, yeah, okay, give it to the person who has the best chance of survival. But then it's also hard to get rid of your biases as well. So it's like when you look at the uh, black mom who has a history of hypertension or diabetes, it's like, okay, let's not give it to her. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so that's kind of what, that's, yeah. the, that's the thing that makes it, very conflicting for me to just base it just purely on religion. Yeah. Uh, and statistically, yeah. you're going to have higher rates of things like hypertension and diabetes with black folks, which, which is going to lead to just a, a way more there. There's going to be 
uh, intended or not, there's going to yeah. be a racial bias there and that gets involved. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. And, 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 and the thing what's happened in our community for sure is there's been a huge conversation on how do we reverse the effects of that, which we mm-hmm. I can go on for a long time talking about what's the, the main issue, but yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting though. It's interesting, but it also yeah. brings a little clarity too. All right, so Tyler, this this new version of the hot list Mm -hmm. is um, uh, like a a media culture experience, and then you're going to bring something more substantive. Is that the model that you're? I I think so. Yeah, insofar as we can find, uh, 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 but I think there's always going to be a good cultural story, and then hopefully something like this that's a little more of an ethical issue for us to wrestle with. That's the goal. Yeah, interesting. I like it. There's there's oh, uh, your first we, we taste have, of the all new episode. We have <laughs> Sufian commentary. We have heavy discussions about race and social issues and the ethics of the pandemic. We got Chris P. Brown coming up. I mean, <laughs> it's a big show. All right, that'll do it for. <laughs> That's not the right one. All right, I love it. All right, stay tuned. Up next, slices. You're listening to Glitter by Ben A. All caps. Ben A. There you go. Okay, it's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right, well, the story I'm bringing, if anyone was on the internet this week, they probably know this is the one I'm going to bring. And I have some theories, and I need to unpack this. How many people sent you this story? Countless. Countless. <laughs> I texted it to you, and, and then yeah, I later I, I was talking to Tyler. I already read it like five times. All these, a bunch of other people and, sent this to me. And I was talking to Tyler yesterday. He told me he sent it to you, and that you two engaged about it and had a whole thing. And I'm like, he didn't even reply to my I text. I had already... That, because you were a couple hours late on that, and <laughs> I was driving or something. And I don't... I, you listen. So, all right. So, here's the news story. The Pentagon, the Department of Defense, this week... Uh, they confirmed and officially uh, uh, released uh, previously uh, released videos that were kind of leaked out to the media of Navy fighter jet pilots encountering a UFO, an unidentified flying object off the coast of California, behaving in ways in flight that are not possible according to modern physics. Like it was performing maneuvers that these Navy pilots had never seen before. It shouldn't even have been possible. At one point, they were obser- observing this kind of UFO doing the, all these crazy tricks and stuff. And then they were like, all right, we got to meet back at the, they were saying cool, like Top Gun stuff, like meet back at the rendezvous point. <laughs> and they like put on their blaster jets. When they got to the rendezvous point, guess what's waiting for them there? The UFO <laughs> sitting there, just tease them. What a flex by the UFO. Not only, not only am I doing sweet, like blue angel tricks out here. Okay. I'm also maybe even reading your minds. Cause I know where you're headed next. Then the thing went underwater and re came out and was doing all these tricks. So the, these Navy pilots, can you, can you describe it? Like describe what it looked like for the, this is a theater of the mind. Yeah. Moment. Well, well the, the weird thing is on the video, it kind of, uh, um, 
it's sort of like hard to get the shape, but it, there, it's sort of like tic-tac-y. Like it, it almost looks like a, a vertical tic-tac type of object. Um, and, and it's shooting around, doing all this crazy stuff. And the wasn't, there, wasn't there another one that looked like a Star Wars TIE fighter? It had like two sides on it yeah well and, and the problem is some of these are like the the airplane video cameras are are meant to you know not you know are, aren't like kind of standard hd type of of technology yeah. so some of them are kind of blurry and this thing is moving like crazy the pilots on the video are are telling each other like look at that thing it's rotating i've never seen anything like this they are legit freaking out okay so this video was released a couple years ago by <laughs> the tom DeLong, the 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 former uh, lead, former singer and guitar player for the the, the band Blink One Eighty Two. He left the band. Is now doing God's work with a company called To the Stars Academy, <laughs> in which he's trying to blow the whistle on what he thinks are aliens out there. So what? So a department. No, 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 this is no. This is this, this is, is all like, this is all real. This is all real. This is great. Let, this is let great. pause right there, dude. Tom DeLonge was on Apple Music the other day. Zane Lowe was interviewing him because. Yeah. His Angels and Airwaves band just released a new song, right? And they were talking about when he left Blink-182 that he went and started this company to the stars that you're talking about and that he has then over these years worked with the government about these UFO issues. And he said that he has been in briefings that have shook him so deeply that he didn't sleep for multiple days. Yeah. Like he said, the public isn't prepared for what the government okay. already knows. Yeah. And so about all so, this. So he his organization ended up leaking these videos a couple of years ago. But the the one kind of asterisk with that is that the, their authenticity was never confirmed. Like the right. government just wasn't acknowledging them. Uh, well, in a, 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 a this will tell you how crazy the news cycle is all right and why the you know coronavirus has taken over the news cycle that news about aliens existing just flies under the radar like that, that's not even the main story that's not even the main story this week like it's like three down it's three down aliens okay we've been waiting they confirmed it but yet you know we're still talking about coronavirus testing that's how much it's it's infiltrated our, our consciousness. I actually think that's why they they confirmed the the I reality agree. is because they know that every in the midst of this, yeah, it's no like one's, uh, 2020 yeah. was already nuts before we confirmed. <laughs> now aliens. there's aliens, okay? <laughs> right? Because <laughs> the government has officially forever said we have no government programs to study uh, UFOs. We have no like because you know it's like the, the secret programs going on everybody's speculating about and they've officially always said that does not exist no money is going to that and this week they said yes we have a division yes it is studying it and we yes, have this is we true. don't know what they are and this is also yeah. what they're saying so okay back in 2019 like the third biggest news story of the year was like the Popeye's chicken sandwich deal like that was it was like it was like impeachment hearing impeachment hearing number one then it was like stranger yeah. things season three then it was Popeye's yeah. chicken yeah, we're we're only a few months into 2020, <laughs> and aliens existing is like five down on the list. Okay, yeah. yes. this is this is crazy times here, man. So here's the the Pentagon said that they they wanted to confirm it now uh, to clear. This is a quote from a statement to clear up any misconceptions by the public on whether or not the footage that has been circulating was real or whether it was was there 
or whether or not there is more to the videos. After a thorough review, the department has determined that the authorized the authorized release of these unclassified videos does not reveal any sensitive capabilities or systems and does not impinge on any subsequent investigations of military airspace incursions by unidentified aerial phenomenon. TLDR, there's aliens, guys. There's aliens. We found them. We found them. They're just doing the air shows off the coast of California. Like this is this is huge news. Jesse, who did I miss this? Who took the videos that have been circulating that they confirmed are yes, indeed aliens? So these videos were taken from uh, cameras that are a, mounted a in, in on okay. fighter jets, and so okay. they were filmed a while ago, like Top Gun yeah, stuff. Exactly. You know, they're out there. So you just imagine these fighter pirates. One minute you're playing beach volleyball, you know, while they're <laughs> exactly. gassing up the, the Tomcat. Next thing you know, you're in a dogfight with a with an intergalactic visitor. I mean, this is <laughs> this is this is crazy. It, it's do crazy. you guys like do you care if there's oh, I care. If this is true I or care not? care a tremendous amount. Oh, yeah. You'll learn this Absolutely. about Jesse. He is a deep web kind of conspiracy theory mm-hmm. guy. So he'll he'll lose hours and hours going in down I, these these I holes. Have, I have lots of I mean, this is another podcast entirely, but I, I and I've I've interviewed I've interviewed theologians about this, scientists about this, about like if the discovery of intelligent life outside of our planet would, you know, conflict with any sort of theological mm. understandings of God creation personhood uh you know the role of you know would the salvation extend to non-human intelligent beings like I, i've i've thought about a lot about that but there's even i mean i feel like th- this is a fascinating topic especially for pe- for people of faith all, all all jokes aside you know because one of like the main um things that a lot of ufo experts point to about how uh you know how long humanity might be been visited by these beings comes from the book of ezekiel there is there is a description in the book of ezekiel of ezekiel experiencing a visitation by something that sure sounds a lot like a ufo and Yes, so now there's a lot of theories. Could this be like is is angels sort of like a loose and angels and demons are these sort of loose interpretations that you know early writers labeled uh, because they didn't understand who was visiting them. There's a lot of interesting stuff, you know, theories and things on this topic. But I mean, it's in the news. I mean, this has gone from like a fringe Reddit theory theory or like, you know, watching ancient aliens on History Channel, like four in the morning to something that, you know, the New York Times is the is the is the outlet that originally did the story about the the disclosures from the Department of Defense in these leaked videos. So I do think it's fascinating. Derek, it sounds like you've got a little interest in this field as well. Bro, we need a podcast, bro. We need to just literally just just unpack all this for hours, dog. But yeah, no, I think I think when it comes to uh, I think when it comes to life on other planets, I think the Bible definitely I, I think the Bible definitely has some stuff that would allude to life from otherworldly. I mean, if you think about what is an angel or a demon, when you break it down, it's an angel or a demon is not human, right? So the idea that that could that 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 could be an alien. I mean, that's not too far fetched to think that. I don't think so. Not in my mind. I'm over yeah. here just like mind blown. I like I have, ne- I I could care less about UFOs, and so maybe I need to care more because you guys are telling me that they're here. But I need to it's, care. Oh, about it's this. time to care. That they're it's here. It's time to care. Well, it's time to care. The question, 
the question is, hear. does it change? Does it change theology? Christian theology? Does it change scripture? If this is confirmed, right? Because I mean, That's the fact question. that there's maybe life on other planets doesn't mean that it's human life, and you know that wouldn't change what the Bible says that you know we are made in the image of God. So maybe that you know Earth and humanity is special, a special creation. But that doesn't mean that like other worlds wouldn't, couldn't be populated by other forms of life and that God's still the creator and everything in the Bible is still true. You know, it doesn't deny or confirm anything. You know what I mean? Like I'm open to it. Like from a faith standpoint, I'm open to it. Yeah. But I think the Bible was written for us. So I think the whatever the Bible, like the Bible was packaged for humanity on earth. Now, if there's life outside of that, then I think an all knowing God would have things in context for them to right. deal with them in whatever way he wants to deal yeah. with them. Right. So that, that, that's my perspective on it. I don't, I don't think that aliens, aliens being the revelation of aliens wouldn't just, just destroy the Bible as no. a whole. I think well, it just, right. I mean, it's for us. You know Just what think I mean? about like animals. I mean, let's say there's a whole dog planet out there. That doesn't mean that they have souls. That doesn't mean that like, <laughs> Again, that makes humanity special. I would love special. to go visit a dog planet. I love dogs. Dog. You know, some but theories even about like dog planets. Animals on Earth. The f- <laughs> <laughs> but even like animals on Earth, like he still created it. That doesn't mean that they are on the level or of humanity right. either. You know what I mean? So like other life forms, great. But as believers, we believe in other realms and other worlds and yeah, eternity absolutely. and For sure. you know, all that. So like this is all just. It's you know it's well, just kind of blending. It, yeah, and it also is like, and, and again, this is this is uh, something that it, it would. I don't even know if you can unpack, but like if these if these beings, if they're like, let's say there are beings from other planets that are intelligent enough to get here and have flying machines, then that means they're sentient. That they're self aware. They're at least aware of their own existence, oh, yeah. and generally, uh, some degree of. Uh, of self-awareness of being aware of being able to acknowledge that you exist, you know, that has in philosophy been the, the foundation of what we understand as a soul. So, you know, we, we understand that, that, that degree of, of understanding that I exist as a unique individual in the context of this greater universe, that's the basis for how we understand the soul. Because at that point, you, you can internally recognize things about your character and why you, why you think certain things. So then the implications get even crazier. So do their souls need to be saved or can they be saved by, you know, Jesus was fully God and fully man. Was he? But what about an alien? That's not that's not full. That's not fully man. It opens up all these really intriguing questions. But I do think it's, you know, it's funny to like make jokes about, you know, but I do feel like. The, the the church should be on the should be ahead of the curve on this, because if there is like more disclosures about things that we don't understand in the universe, including the potential of intelligent life, it'd be better for the church to be on the front end than trying to play catch up. If there's one thing I know about the church that they're not going to be on the front end of anything in this interaction yeah. right now, we're going to be we're going to be on the back end. We're going to wait till everything <laughs> clears out and then we'll start saying, ah, Let's talk about <laughs> yeah. it now. Like it's like aliens Especially have already UFOs. been. <laughs> absolutely. Nah, they're not gonna be on the front end of that, bro. They goes we're gonna pray it away, is what's gonna happen. All right, Derek, what do you have? Man, I well, mine is uh I got a doozy. I'm gonna keep it real. Uh so an Oxford scholar has been arrested for stealing ancient biblical text. So if I just stop right there, 
you'd be like, wow, that's crazy. But I think the end of it is wild in the fact that <laughs> he tried to sell it to Hobby Lobby. Oh, oh no! no. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, to be fair, so, <laughs> the market for ancient biblical texts no. is probably pretty limited. Like, <laughs> yeah. so, my man Dirk, uh, his name is Dirk. I'm, I'm just gonna—I can't pronounce his last name, so I'm just gonna call him Dirk and Swipeski. Uh, <laughs> Dirk and Swipeski, professor Nowitzki. of propology at uh, Greek literature at Christ Church in Oxford, uh, literally stole fragments of the Gospel of Mark. And tried to sell it to uh, uh, Steve Green at Hobby Lobby or one of the Green family at Hobby Lobby because I think they have yeah, the, uh, the Bible, Bible Museum. project. Yeah, yeah. The, Bible the Museum, museum. right? Yeah, at the Bible Museum. museum. The Bible. So yeah, so I'm just yeah. trying to picture how that went. It's like, yo, I'm gonna steal this, and then we go in this back alley on a Sunday because Hobby Lobby's closed after <laughs> church, <laughs> and then it's just, <laughs> and I'm just like, yo, I got the Gospel of Mark fragments. So it's like, what do you do as a Christian? Do you like, I, I, I don't, I don't. This is a very perplexing story because I, I could think of ten other places to sell the Gospel of Mark. The Smithsonian. I mean, if you're trying to get prime money for it, I would think you you. I mean, I don't know about Hobby well, Lobby. Well, Hobby Lobby got the, they got good money for yeah. the Bible Museum. So it's the, real. It's real. The museum it's not the like Bible he was selling a fake over, one. over a billion dollars and their collection is it, priceless. Well, well, man, maybe I and will I've sell it in Hobby Lobby. Yeah. I don't even lie. Yeah. <laughs> the highest bidder, bro. You know, hey, look, I just, the first thing that came to my mind was, I said, I said, I'm assuming because we were talking about it, he got busted. How, how, how did he end up getting caught? I don't know, man. I think maybe Steve had a, a, a conscious change and turned them in. But it, no, it doesn't say, it just says that he just got caught. Like it's, it, it, there's no, uh, I guess he just wasn't a good thief. Well, like, well the, the okay. thing that there've been a number of items in the museum of the Bible that have come uh, under scrutiny. Like they had some fragments uh, of the Dead Sea Scrolls that turned out to be fraudulent. And obviously they're buying things you know, I mean, think about all these antiquities, you know, they're buying things in good faith, you know, because mm-hmm. they're trying to put together a world-class collection and they don't know the origin story. They don't probably know that this guy, you know, obtained it illegally. They're not like, they're not on the black market, you know, they're trying to be on the up yeah. and up. Uh, right. But but then uh, things have come out, things that have been in the museum have come out that actually this was actually obtained or sold to you in a way that that person didn't have the right to sell it and stuff like that. So, right, right. It, it's, well, Steve Green actually with- apo- Steve Green actually apologized. He said uh, he apologized because he said that early on with him building his collection, he was a little sloppy. So I think yeah. that I think you're yeah. right, you're right on, Cameron. Is the idea that you know I just want to I have something in my heart. I just want to start this this collection, but not understanding. He maybe never watched National <laughs> Treasure or, or Indiana Jones, <laughs> so he didn't know there was like people out there that that steal stuff and try to sell it. So you know I, I feel good. I feel I feel bad for him. You know what I'm saying? But That's yeah, I, I don't know, man. Dirk Nowitzki, man. They said he was like mad. He was like really renowned uh, in his field of propology and, and Greek literature. So it, it kind of feels like he yeah. had a moment of greed and yeah. and really now it just yeah, kind of I, I wonder about cats like that story. though you know like if i if i stole a, a fragments of the bible right I, or 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 like a van gogh painting anything that's very rare you know i know what the first question is well where'd you get it 
And what are you going to tell? Uh, oh, you you can't believe it, man. I was cleaning out the shed this weekend, and I saw this. I saw what appeared to be a dead sea scroll. And I can't, thing. for the life of me, remember when that got moved, when that box, it was right behind the Christmas lights. Uh, so I want to say it was probably around Christmas time they got back there. But anyway, you know, actually, I remember now. You ever seen Storage Wars? It was just it was, got a. <laughs> I, was, I was doing as I do on my Mondays, bidding up some delinquent Thanks. storage units, and wouldn't you know, one full of biblical artifacts. So take a look at this. I'll <laughs> sh- check out the Holy Grail uh, and the Ark of the Covenant, uh, all just sitting in there behind a, behind a weird mannequin collection. So anyway, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm trying to offload it. <laughs> all right, Jamie, what do you have? Oh, I got a good one. We'll round out with a really good one. This is exciting. I saw this recently. I thought this is just such good news. Uh, Saturday Night Live, uh, Michael Che, he is, he came out and did something so beautiful in honor of his grandmother. He lost his grandma um, to the coronavirus and he went ahead and paid rent for 160 tenants in the apartment building that she lived in. Uh, mm. And he just said, you know, these people in these, apartments they can't work so how can and they're still expected to pay their rent so in honor of his grandma he went in and paid all of their rent uh for an entire month he said i know that's just a drop in the bucket so i really hope the city has a better plan for debt forgiveness for all the people in public housing at the very least so i thought this story was just so kind and someone giving back that has the ability to do that obviously um but just also making a point of hey there's a lot of people that we they can't pay rent, so we need to come up with some better ideas for this, other than just signing out live hosts paying all the rent yeah, for that is the awesome. tenants and buildings. I, 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 I I've enjoyed the a couple of at home episodes of uh, of SNL where they're just recording skits on their phones. That's insanely hard to do. Like it just if someone hands you a phone and says, "All right." It can be no longer than three and a half minutes. You got It's got to be packed with laughs and it's just you and no technical theme. It'd be really hard. And I feel like they're doing better and better at pulling them off. It, 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 the, watching the weekend update where like, you know, they bring in the commentator like Pete Davidson came in and the, the lack of audible laughs is so painful. Yeah. <laughs> like for that type of content. Yeah. Pete, even during it was like, this is a lot easier with a live audience. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but I thought, did you see um, the one from this past week? Uh, what up with that? It, the the ooh wee what no, up with that? No, no, they, no. And it, dude, it was like the world's craziest Zoom call, like with crazy effects flying all over the screen. It was hilarious. It was great. But yeah, the uh, weekend update ones, the jokes yeah, fall yeah, a little flat. But yeah, Fine. all right. That uh, well, that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Stephen Furtick and Chris P. Brown join us. <laughs> I've been knowing that we can't pass. Made it all up just to stay with you. Now I'm cheesing when you blow past. Yeah. If you take a slice of me, it's all right with me. Listen to Cheesin' by Cautious Clay, Remy Wolf, and Sophie Myers. Well, Elevation Worship is the worship ministry of Charlotte, North Carolina's Elevation Church, led by Pastor Stephen Furtick. Elevation Worship has produced multiple albums that include Gold Here as in Heaven and the platinum song, O Come to the Altar. 
Their new album, Graves into Gardens, releases today, May 1st. Our very own Tyler Huckabee talked to Elevation's pastor, Stephen Furtick, and worship pastor, Chris Brown, about releasing a corporate worship album in a pandemic season, what they hope church looks like on the other side of the lockdown, and how they hope their new album will help shape the future of worship music. Here it is. Stephen Furtick and Chris Brown. So at the top of my conversation with uh, Chris and Pastor Steve, one thing I was really interested in was their feelings about releasing a uh, an album of corporate worship music at a time when a lot of people just don't really feel like worshiping. There's not a lot of reasons out there to get that that high that we often associate with the idea of singing worship music. And I'm sure that they had considered this uh, or they'd been forced to consider this with the release of graves into gardens. So I wanted to know how they felt about that and if they had any advice for people who were feeling that way. Here's what Pastor Steve said about that. As much as we'd like to talk about certain metaphors in the Bible um, about a seed producing a harvest, which is one of the central things that Jesus would use to teach, you know, like a mustard seed. And, and then it's a, the largest tree with the branches. And we use that to mean like the kingdom of God starts very small and then gets big. But first it dies. And the process of that seed being in the soil, I was trying to picture it a while back, like for a sermon or something that here's the seed going into this dark place, the uncertain place. And that's when it's transforming, but that's when it's breaking apart. And if you get interviewed the seed, like that wasn't the best feeling part of its life as a seed, it was the most productive. And that's why I think it's really dangerous to equate how I feel right now with what God is doing in me and where my faith is at. And to hold yourself to a standard that I have to feel like God is working in my life to believe it. I think you're really trapping yourself in that way. And for me now, faith is mostly about acceptance, not manipulation anyway, and cooperating with what God is already doing. And so once I embrace that, it doesn't make it easier. It doesn't mean that I live that out perfectly, but it is what I believe. It's what I choose to believe. And I don't know another way to survive. I couldn't make it. I couldn't, I couldn't do it as a dad, a husband, a man. Um, I, I couldn't survive without that belief. So for me, it's what I hold on to, whether I feel it or not. You know, one of the first uh, songs from this album that really caught my attention that they released actually on YouTube where it performed quite well is this song Rattle. It's very different. It's a different kind of elevation worship song. It's uh, almost 10 minutes long. And uh, it's also, (laughs) I think Pastor Steve called it a rager. Uh, And if you listen to it, we'll play a clip here in a minute. You'll you'll, uh, see what it means by that. Here were some of Chris's thoughts about just how this song came to be, especially at this I, I wouldn't want this to go one day longer than, than it has to, you know, but we have an online ministry that we get to worship every single Sunday with, with our people, with our church and uh, to be able to bring them, you know, uh, into the help, bring them into the presence of God every, every Sunday, every weekend. Um, it's already, it's interesting I want to get back in the, in the church and in the room with people as quickly as possible. But there's been this, like, I'll say for me, uh, a complete loss of inhibition. Also <laughs> leading worship to an empty room where, uh, I, I, I wouldn't want it to, to stay that, that way. But like, even, even the song, the most recent song that we wrote, and I'm sure we'll talk about more, more of it, but this song rattle, I don't know 
Pastor, if you would say that that song would even have been written one if quarantine hadn't have happened. And then two, I'm almost certain it wouldn't have uh, been presented to, to our church or come about in the same way that it did if we weren't in this position. first song that I think will grab a lot of people and a song that's been uh, extremely popular uh, so far one of the singles from this album is called The Blessing uh, as it turns out this particular song which was uh, written with Cody Carnes and Carrie Job, was not really part of the plan originally but it just kind of came together and, uh, and Pastor Steve talked a little bit about just how that happened in the writing room we were writing with our friends um, Carrie Job and Cody Carnes and we were setting up mics to demo another song that we wrote before that song. And this idea came into the room and kind of when we saw what it meant to our church that Sunday, it was like, can we, how quick can we get this out? This was before the world shut down and the apocalypse, you know, four horsemen hadn't come into the earth yet to shut down the NBA. And, um, but, but like, okay, it's more of a posture. It's like trying to, get something from God and release it. And that's just how we've been trying to approach, not in a frantic way necessarily, but certainly feel a sense of urgency. So whether the songs that are on this project were, were written a year ago or like the song Rattle or The Blessing in the last couple of months, we were just trying to get the best, the best expressions that we had right now that seemed like people wanted to sing them and wanted to hear them. And that's really the only guideline I know to go by because we're serving people. We're serving them with words, syllables, and notes. Like to me, I see I see us primarily as servants or vessels or something like that. So, just trying to trying to carry that and, and release it in the best way that we can. with Stephen Furtick and Chris Brown. Stay tuned. Up next, it's your feedback. I got bigger fish to fry. I can tell a lie. Walk away from me. That's my best advice. Chilling in the hills. Hills advice. Can't be seen with you. You don't match my fly. Try to buy me lunch. You gon' pay the price. Baby, play your role. Don't forget your lies. You're listening to Wasteland by Tierra Wack. Well, it's time for your feedback. Last week, for the editorial question of the week, we asked you, what's something dangerous you've done and how did it turn out? We wanted your stories of living on the edge, like Derek Miner on a zip line. <laughs> and we wanted to know how it turned out. And you guys let us down in a massive way. Either that or you have lived very cautious lives. Um, last week, only one person first time ever <laughs> in 15 years of podcasting one person replied to the question of the week uh it was uh ryan george and he said the scariest thing i've done for fun was last august he went wing walking on a biplane doing aerobics or uh, yeah aerobatics and he sent a picture of him dangling off those biplane wings like 
flying in the air. That's pretty crazy. And they're like, the plane's like upside down and he's just like dangling there. He's tied up Uh, to it. Yeah, uh, I, I may be out of the loop, and I don't know, but I've never heard of that at, in my life. Is it a biplane? Is, I, a biplane <laughs> wing walking? Uh, yeah, that's like so, that's just something we don't do in the urban community. Is that mug sounds like death? Is yeah. what it sounds like. So, can y'all explain to me what this is? Well, I'm looking at it. So, you know, the biplanes, the open cockpit, you know, it's the old 1940s, like, or World War One, where they would have oh, the dog okay. fights, right? Okay, Those, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm looking at it, and he, apparently there's a rig on the top wing, right? Mm-hmm. Like a pole sticking up, and he's standing on it, and he's, like, strapped onto the pole. And then the pilot is in the cockpit, and they fly you up, and then he does, like... They fly the plane in like loops and circles and things like that while you're out there standing on the wing. Mm, That's what the picture okay. is. Yeah. So okay. this is. I mean, yeah. you're attached though. Like you're not falling yeah. off. Yeah. You're oh, strapped yeah. That, 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 yeah. That sounds fun. That sounds fun. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's how, that that sounds, sounds like yeah, a thing yeah, I want to spend my money on <laughs> doing. Like, who does this? <laughs> so that sounds like an old timey nah, punishment. Bro, it's like, like, it sounds like if you were like it's a like dissenter of the governor back at the turn of the century, it's like he must wing walk, and if he survives, he will be free. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like walking the place. It's just like a weird old nah, punishment. Be. You know? All right. So it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Hey. All right. Well, earlier we were talking about getting scammed. The poor, the poor Hobby Lobby. So sad. Acquired things. Yeah, the old book of Mark Bible scrap uh, <laughs> trick. We've all almost fallen for that one. <laughs> it got us thinking about times that you, the listener, might have gotten scammed or almost scammed in your life. So that's this week's question of the week. We want to know, is there a time or tell us a story of a time that you almost got scammed, not by a Bible passage, but, you know, in another occurrence in your life. Yeah. Hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, or you can post on the podcast episode page uh, your longer stories at relevantmagazine.com. Jesse, do you, has this ever happened to you? Yeah. One time in college, I got invited to a friend to meet a friend's business mentor. Now, there was an immediate red flag because, to my knowledge, my friend didn't have a business. And, uh, <laughs> but I was promised free dinner. And so I showed mm-hmm. up at this business mentor's house. Listen, I, you know, I'm not judging, but it's not the the home of someone what you would picture that has numerous business mentorees. Uh, and, and he had he had used a lot of he got a lot of college students to come that night uh, on the promise of free dinner, which was just a giant pot of very very lightly sauced spaghetti. It was almost just plain noodles, you know, with just a tinge of red. It, it looked like, it looked like, you know, when a white, when that red sock makes it into a load of white t-shirts and you're like, yeah. kind of pink. You're like, I know these are supposed to be red noodles, but it's just kind of pink, you know? So that was the dinner. And then we went in and it, it was, it was essentially, I had to go to this meeting. Uh, it was a very high pressure meeting for what was a pyramid scheme. Where, you know, you recruit people and, you know, kind of the MLM thing, you get, you get people in your upstream and all that stuff. I sifted it out right away because the product itself was phone cards. And guys, this wasn't that long oh, ago. So, oh, yeah. cell phones, hey, cell phones were a thing. Okay. <laughs> like I had never used a phone card before. I, to this day, not even entirely sure how they work. Like, any concepts. <laughs> phone like, cards were, 
they in the mid nineties when yeah. I was in college, phone cards were being sold by college students it, it, in a pyramid scheme. In the, in the mid nineties, I'm sure it was an effective ploy. Uh, the, you know, <laughs> fast forward 15 years and it's not as yeah. enticing uh, of a product. Yeah. Anyway, it was very high pressure. I almost raised my hand and, and gave him a few hundred bucks just to get out of there. Just, just, <laughs> and less thankfully I'm a master of uncomfortable situations. You just stared steely eyed at him, uh, uh, as, as he begged me to sign up. But anyway, people can get scammed. A lot of people bought into it that, that, at that meeting. And, uh, Are you serious? We, we almost, we almost, you know, the timeshare things, you get a free weekend at yeah. a hotel. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, Aaron and I, we got these kids. We don't have, we can't go on vacation. We went down to San Antonio, you guys, right down the road and stayed at a Westin for the weekend and had to go through like an hour and a half meeting. They take your kids to childcare. You guys, no joke. By the end, I was crying, crying Why? because the lady looked at me and she said, do you love your kids? Do you oh, love your dang. children? <laughs> and she looked at Aaron and said, do you love your wife? then you need to do this for your family's sake. And I literally was crying looking at Aaron and I was saying, babe, we have to do this. Like it's for our kids. We have to. Oh my And gosh. Aaron was like, I need a timeshare like, in San Antonio for this. No, no, for no, the that's family? where the meeting was. Oh. That's where oh, the meeting okay. was. But the timeshare was anywhere for our family, you know? Oh, so I almost, I almost scammed our whole family yeah. into a timeshare. And, 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 and the- I'm not going to lie. I'm a professional at the timeshare curve, yo. I think I went on timeshare vacations for about six years straight. Where you just sit through the meeting? Oh, yeah. See, the first year you're like that. Then by year six, (laughs) it's like, bro, I'm not doing this, man. Man, just let me just go ahead and go back to my little timeshare and give me my Disney tickets. Listen, I was about to... I I almost... I almost got out of it, you know, uh, but they sweetened the deal. The guy's like, all right, so I see you're not interested in the timeshare. Got a little sweetener here. What I have in the back is a scrap from the gospel of the book of Mark. (laughs) Uh, now we talking. <laughs> now we talking. Now we talking. Let's go. <laughs> Darkness Swipeski. So tell us, tell us uh, times that maybe you've almost gotten scammed or maybe you did get scammed. Uh, yeah, hit us up. That'll be fun. Okay. Well, many thanks to Stephen Furtick and Chris P. Brown for joining us. <laughs> Uh, make sure to check out Elevation Worship's brand new album. It's called Graves into Gardens. It releases today. Um, awesome. Well, this is a lot of fun. Make sure to tune in next week when we have a couple of guests. Kim Walker-Smith is joining us to take us through the new Jesus Culture album. And also Jen Hatmaker is joining us mm. to talk about her brand new book. So that'll be a stacked episode. You don't want to miss it. I love Jen. Okay. And that book is everywhere. Her and Mike Todd, man, both oh, of yeah. them everywhere. have released books in the last both week. Both of them are killing oh, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mike Great Todd stuff. debuted at number one on number Amazon. Number one like, on overall. all books. Wow. Mike is the man. Awesome. Yeah, I rock Mike with Mike. Mike is the man. He, he I like him. Oh yeah. We are we are about to release next week actually. Next Tuesday, Relevant Podcast Network is going to be launching a new show with Darius Daniels, the Darius Daniels podcast. And Mike Todd is going to be his it was supposed to be his guest for episode 1, but Mike got so busy, he's going to be episode 2 and Judah Smith is going to be oh, uh, Darius's nice. guest next week. So, we'll probably bring Darius on next week's show to introduce him and his show and all that. It's, we're really excited about it. So, man, Mike Todd, Jen Hatmaker, blowing up. What a show. Okay. Uh, well, on that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. I'm Derek Miner. Jalen Strang. And we will see you next week. Have a great weekend, one. listening to the relevant podcast 
check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, check out our Relevant Podcast Network, featuring shows like Relevant Daily, Signs of Life, Unedited, and many more launching throughout the year. which was just a giant pot of very, very lightly sauced spaghetti. It was almost just plain noodles. Relevant Podcast Network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.